Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. I'm not sure about you, but to me, the parable of the foolish bridesmaid sounds almost exactly like an anxiety dream I'd wake up from in a panic. It feels like Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a bad dream where I'm supposed to go pick someone up, and someone important up from the airport, like Dolly Parton, but I forget to fill my gas tank, and then I'm idling outside baggage claim for so long I doze off, and then when Dolly Parton finally texts, she's almost there. My car starts beeping that it's nearly out of gas, but then I realized the dude in front of me has a gas can strapped in the back of his monster truck. And I ask if he can help me, but he just aggressively points to the overpriced gas station outside the airport. And in a panic, I use the fumes in my tank to get there. But then when I'm filling up my Subaru, I see Dolly Parton drive off in the passenger side of that dude's F-150 and she doesn't even return my wave like she doesn't know me. (laughs) So, you know, stay alert because the kingdom of heaven's like that. So, uh, what exactly are we to take from this parable? that we should not rely on others, that we should not give to those who ask of us. I mean, that would be weird, wouldn't it, if Jesus just suddenly took back everything he said about generosity and self-giving and instead gave us this little parable about how we should be stingy and self-reliant. I mean, if you're thinking this parable doesn't sound exactly like most of the other stuff that Jesus said, uh, you're not alone. I mean, like, here's three other verses from the exact same gospel. Uh, Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Uh, And then 19th chapter, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And the 23rd chapter, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. I mean, given all of that, what could possibly be the moral of the story in this parable of the foolish bridesmaids? And that, my friends, that assumption that it's our job to find the moral instruction in these texts is what I like to call the parable trap. Welcome to it. See, there are many things you can do with a parable. You can meditate on Jesus' parables. You can struggle with them. You can enter into them. You can speak of them. But the very best way to suck the life out of a parable is by attempting to figure out the so-called moral of the story. Because parables aren't about morals. Parables are about truth. Hidden, unyielding, disruptive truth. And not to put too fine a point on it, but Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Interestingly enough, he did not say you will know the morals and the morals will set you free. So I insist on finding some truth 
in this parable that's maybe just slightly more nuanced than some kind of Boy Scout sentiment about always being prepared. I insist on digging in to find the good news that Jesus has hidden for us in this parable of the 10 bridesmaids. And the reason I insist on finding good news is I need some good news right now. I'm actually kind of desperate for it. I want a truth that sets me free because I've tried half truths and fake news and they just leave me wanting to up my meds. (laughs) So my friends, some texts we must wrestle with. They will not hand over the goods quite so easily. And sometimes the way to find the good news in a text is to use the rest of scripture as like a secret decoder ring. So I promise you that when read alongside the Garden of Eden and the feeding of the 5,000 and a lovely little verse in Revelation, the parable of the foolish bridesmaids absolutely shines with good news. So here we go. Years ago, when I was still in my parish, uh, a parishioner of mine posted something on Facebook. It was a Saturday afternoon, and she posted something very short. It just said, I just saw a really big snake on my hike. And I replied, as your pastor, I feel like I should say, if the snake starts talking, don't listen. If you remember, things started really unraveling for us the first time we listened to a snake, which I now consider to be the world's first Instagram influencer. (laughs) When Adam and Eve were in the garden, we are told that they were naked and unashamed until they listened to a snake, until they listened to a voice other than God's tell them who they were and what they really needed. And then they believed that voice more than they believed God's voice, and they went for it. They like totally clicked on the link, you know? And uh, as a result, they were filled with shame for the very first time, and they tried to hide from God. And then, if you remember, God calls out, and he goes, hey, where are you guys? And they say, we're naked, and we're ashamed, and we're afraid of you. And God goes, hold on. Who told you you were naked? Who told them they were naked? My money has always been on the snake for that one. Which brings me back to the bridesmaids. I don't think that the foolish bridesmaids were foolish because they didn't bring extra oil or because they fell asleep. The wise ones fell asleep too. I think they were foolish for listening to the other bridesmaids tell them what to do and they were certainly foolish for doing it. I think they were foolish, in other words, in the exact same way that we are foolish. They were foolish because they listened when voices other than God's tried to tell them who they were, and they listened to those whispering voices telling them that they can only approach the groom if they have already met all of their own needs first. And here's what really got me this week as I studied this text. It was, a re- it was reading this verse from Revelation 22, which says, In the city of God, they will not need the light of a lamp, for the Lord will give them light. I mean, think about it. If at midnight, the guy who was on watch said, Hey, wake up, the groom's coming. 
the groom must have had a lamp or a torch of some kind, right? How else could the groom have been seen from that far away at midnight? The foolish bridesmaids weren't foolish because they didn't bring backup oil. They were foolish because instead of trusting that the light of Christ was enough to shine the way, they wasted all that time and energy and money trying to get their own because someone shamed them into thinking that they could never approach the Lord with their lack. Rather than just trusting that the light of those around them and that the light of Christ was enough, they assumed they had to provide their own. And then they were so consumed by the shame of not being enough, they busied themselves trying to fix it. So much so that they missed the wedding banquet. They missed everything. Of course the bridegroom said, I don't know you because they hadn't come to him in their need and in their lack and in their want. Because Jesus knows us not by our independence from him, Jesus knows us by our need of him, for which we should never feel ashamed. They, perhaps not unlike us, mistakenly assumed that all God is interested in is their strength and preparedness and goodness, when what really God asks of us is to just know our need of him. Which brings me to the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus asked the disciples what they have with them to feed the crowd, do you remember? He said, what do you have? And they said, nothing. Nothing but like couple loaves and a few fish. And they said it like it was a problem. But do we not have a God who created the universe out of nothing, that could put flesh on the dry bones of nothing, that can put life in a dusty womb of nothing? I mean, let's face it, nothing is like God's favorite raw material to work with. <laughs> Perhaps God looks upon that which we dismiss as nothing or insignificant or worthless and says, finally, now that I can do something with. So my sweet friends, all that is to say, the kingdom of heaven is not like an existential anxiety dream. Maybe you're sitting here today having listened to a voice other than God's. And maybe the story it told you is so familiar that you think it's the truth. But consider that maybe you've been listening to the wrong voices all along. Listen and maybe you can hear God saying, hold on, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you have to lie to be loved? Who told you that your body isn't beautiful? Who told you that your only value is in your excellence? Who told you that what you have done, good or bad, is actually who you are? Who told you that? My money's on the snake, and he's a damn liar, and always has been. So when snakes and bridesmaids start talking blasphemy, don't listen. You don't have to show up with everything you need. The light of Christ is bright enough to light our way, and it always has been. Amen.